Well, we've been in a series over the last several weeks on the kingdom of God. And we've titled this series purposely Upside Down. Because the truth is that the kingdom of God is not something that adds to our current life. It's not something that complements our old way of thinking and being and believing. It's actually a kingdom that turns our lives completely upside down. And I know for some of us, we can't envision life upside down. But let me tell you, if you allow the kingdom of God to begin to influence and, influence and impact your view for the world, your view for life, your view for a relationship with God and, and, what, and what's possible with this new life, what you'll find is that while your life is upside down, you're actually up. You're heading in the right direction. And so Jesus did not come to improve our old way of life. He came to give us an entirely new life. He came to replace, to supplant our old life and, and, and give us a brand new life. Now, one of the greatest obstacles to understanding life according to God's kingdom and his ways is our familiarity with our current culture. Our current culture. It's the way we've been conditioned to perceive the world, to perceive relationships, to perceive family, to perceive our, our, our imprint, what we can do in life, the legacy we leave in life. Let me give you an example of what I mean about culture and how it impacts us, our current culture. I remember many years ago, we went on vacation. We took the kids with us. We went down to Florida to Orlando, and we went to a resort. We stayed there for two weeks. Now, you got to understand, I've never been to Florida up until this point. I had heard about Southern hospitality, had never experienced it. So we get to Florida, and we pull in, right, and we walk up to the, the, the registration uh, counter and, you know, to check in, get our keys and all that other stuff. And the uh, attendant there, really sweet lady, says, how y'all doing? And we said, we're good. Where are you from? New York. How'd you come here? Did you come on a plane? Did you come in a car? And she started asking all these questions. I mean, just question after question after question after question after question. And after a while, they, she asked a question. I couldn't even tell you what she asked. And I said, none of your business. I said, none of your business. And, and she kind of looked at me, and my wife gave me this deaf stare. Fellas, you know what I'm talking about, right? Husbands, you know what I'm talking about. That look that says, like, I cannot believe you just said that. Shut up, right? I'm going to kill you. You just embarrassed me, right? It was that look, right? But the thing about it is that where did that come from? Let me tell you where that came from. Where I was from and how I grew up, and don't judge me because this was many, many years in early on in my walk with Jesus, right? That came from Washington Heights. That came from living on Marion Avenue right off of Fordham Road, right? That came from the hood. That came from that mentality that said, none of your business. You know, we, we keep things superficial, and she, in a very sweet and kind and delicate way, said, well, let's go ahead and finish getting you checked in so you can get to your room. I'm sure you're tired, right? What's my point with that? Today I'd like to talk to you from the heart of God. I want to propose to you what the scriptures declare. I don't want to give you an opinion today. Today I want to talk to you on the topic of culture shock. Culture shock. You know, the reality is that the kingdom of God is a shock to our lives when we begin to consider the truth that it declares. I mean, think about it. Love your enemies? Repay good for evil? I mean, 
They slap you on one side and give them the other cheek. Listen, the first shall be last, Jesus said. The greatest among you will be servant of all. Talking about laying your life down. I mean, come on now. This is countercultural. This is a complete shock. What do you mean that I'm supposed to forgive and love my enemies? What do you mean the way up is down in life? It's challenging. And see, for me, in that scenario when we went to Florida, I saw nothing wrong with it because I was conditioned to my culture. I was conditioned to my upbringing. I was conditioned to what was normal, where I came from. And the kingdom of God creates a culture shock. It completely goes against the grain. And there's a reason for that. It's because God's ways are not ours. It's because his thoughts and his plans go contradictory to the plans and the thoughts of men. So let me ask you a question as we open up this morning. How is the current culture of this world impacting your ability to live according to the ways of God's kingdom? How is that affecting your walk with Jesus? How does culture impact how you approach the truth? How you apply it? Does it lead you to change? Does it lead you to compromise? Some of us might struggle with this because, come on, now, after all, this is how I was born. This is, this, is what I've, this is how I was raised. This is all that I know. This is normal. Everyone's doing it. That sound familiar? Right? How about this one? Oh, but it, what about God's grace? And I want you to consider what the Scripture says as it pertains to this matter. Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 2, tells us, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. When it talks about the world here, it's talking about a system, a manner of life. When it talks about the world there, it's the Greek word cosmos. And that talks about an established order of government, something that governs our life. Now let me ask you this, if this world operates in a government system kind of way, who's the governor? And if you're allowing culture to dictate how you live life, who's governing your life? Something to think about. It's sobering, right? So it says, do not conform, do not fall into the mold of this world. Think of a bottle of water. You add water to it, and that water takes on the shape of that bottle. So do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word renewing there speaks of a complete renovation. It's not talking about uh, something that you just slap some paint on to beautify. It's actually talking about gutting it and redoing it completely. And it goes on to say, and then if you do this, if you approach life this way, if you respond to God this way, then you will be able to test and approve to experience what God's will is. Watch this, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Now that should tell us something as it relates to this issue of culture. Yes, the word of God goes completely against culture, but it's for our good. It's so that we might discover his good and pleasing and perfect will. It actually produces something worth living for. And so friend, the issue isn't that we've been con what we've been conditioned to. You know what the issue is when it comes to culture? 
The issue is, are we willing to renew our minds? Are we willing to undergo a renovation project? Are we actually willing to change? To die to some things? To, to, to follow a different pathway? And if we're not, then friends, I submit this to you, that you're resisting the kingdom of God. And thus, you're living a lie. You're conforming. You're not transforming. I don't know about you, but God, according to the word, why would anybody want to be a carbon copy? Right? We're called new creations. But there's a danger to this issue of conforming to this world. And I want you to hear from 2 Timothy chapter 3. We didn't put it up. It was just something that I was meditating on. So team, don't, don't hold it against me. Don't hold it against them. It's just one of those things that kind of came up for me. 2 Timothy 3 verses 1 through 5 said, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. But why? Watch why. For people will only love themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud. They will scoff at God. They will be disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends. They will be reckless. They will be puffed up with pride and love, pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. Watch what he says. Stay away from people like that. Stay away from people like that. What are we seeing here? What we're seeing here that the result of culture actually leads us to everything that is contrary to God. It produces death. Right? See, the ways of this world call what is sacred sacrilegious. Marriage has been deduced to a contract. It's something that people lightly consider. I'd rather shack up than do what the Word of God says. Listen, my friend, this is not godly. It violates the Word of God. It is cultural. It is the ways of this world. The ways of this world try, are, are trying and, they, and they're changing the way people define what a man and a woman is attacking gender it's attacking the, the sacred uh, the, the, the sacred the blessed produce that can come from a man and a woman we now have leaders that outrightly promote sexual morality people that celebrate the destruction of human life in the womb we have leaders posing under the guise of democracy while functioning as an autocracy why because they're telling us you can't even you have no say in what your children are taught in school. Come on. I'm talking truth here. This is the reality of the world that we're in. We're stripping parents of their rights to raise their children according to moral values by taking, uh, take, taking their rights to determine what they can and cannot be taught. And the truth is that Romans 12, 2 is important to consider because what it teaches us is that our views and our beliefs must be biblical and they must shift. The scripture tells us that while we are in this world, we are not of this world. 
which if you, if you pair that with Romans 12, what we see is then that it denotes that we are in this culture, in this world, but we must rise above it. We must rise above it. Come on and give God some praise if you believe that today. But you know, if we're going to resist the pull of culture, if we're going to truly stand in the face of culture, we have to understand Satan's tactics through culture. I want to give you a biblical example of this. don't want to give you an opinion here. The book of Daniel records historical facts that were at play in bringing the nation of Israel under subjection in Babylon. There was a cultural agenda that was deployed to change how they responded to God. Get, get what happened. Babylon comes in, overtakes Israel. But Israel would not subject to them. They would not submit. There were ways, there were things of God that they, were, they had grown used to that contradicted the, 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 the mannerisms and the beliefs of Babylon, their pagan ways. And so what did they do? Let me show you what they did because this is still happening today. Daniel chapter 1, starting at verse 3, says, Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. Hey, guess what, people? That's you. You are the children of a king. But watch what this king was trying to do to God's children. Listen to this. It goes on to say that he said he was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter, listen to this, into the king's service. So what are we seeing here? Babylon says, we can't just outrightly subject them to do and live according to our ways. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to train them. And how do we train them? We change the language. We consistently message, right? We impose upon them our mannerisms, our ways of life, and we do it over the course of time. Isn't it interesting? Have you ever thought about how have we gotten to this point just in this country alone? Let's keep it local. How? Now, you listen to the news and I find it very interesting that at the same time, news flash, and everyone is speaking the exact same thing. How is that possible? How is it possible? How is it possible that all of a sudden we have things that directly violate the word of God being called good and the goodness of God being called evil? My friends, I submit to you that the enemy uses culture. He uses culture. He uses the system of this world. Let's not forget, let's not forget that 2 Corinthians 11 tells us that Satan masquerades himself as an angel of light. He doesn't show up and say, I'm here to destroy you. No, you know what he does? Newsflash. 
He presents to you what's appealing to the eye. Hey, that happens through media, that happens through music, that happens through social media, that happens through television, that happens through movies. By God, we, by not, now in this world, there are actual policies in place for how you get an award for a, for a work of art and agendas that it has to push in order to be accepted. Don't tell me that Satan isn't using culture. He is. He is. And you know, it's not, it's, not even, it's not even hidden anymore. You watch music videos. You watch clothing lines. You look at pictures and you see it right in front of your face. Thus, over the course of time, this begins to impact the way we respond to God and what we do according to his kingdom. And the only way to expose Satan is to get up ahead of him, to get ahead of his trickery and advances. How do we do that? By living daily already in ways and according to the truth of God's word. That makes sense? And so I want to give you an example of this from the life of Daniel. Because several years later, Daniel is now under the service of the king of Persia. So what happened is Persia comes in, takes over Babylon, Babylon falls. Now it's Persia, the ruling empire of the world. And uh, Daniel becomes a satrap. That's a governor. He becomes a provincial governor in the empire of Persia. The problem is that all his fellow satraps are all Persian and they hate him. Why? Because he's a Hebrew. He's a Jewish man, and he doesn't submit to the ways of Persia. And so they've come up with a plot. What they decide is, hey, we can't beat this guy at his game, so let's use his game against him. We know for a fact that he worships his God, that he prays to his God. So what we're going to do is we're going to propose a law to the king, one that will puff him up. Oh, great king, we've got a great idea. You serve these pagan gods, and there's this idol that you've set up in, for all the world to see. Oh, great king, would you set up a law? We think it's a great idea that you would set up a law that when the trumpet blows and it announces that it's time to worship, that the entire empire must bow down and fall to their knees, prostrate before this idol. And he goes, man, that's a great idea. And so here's what happens. They say, and if anyone doesn't do it, then they, they should be sentenced to death. He goes, done. He signs the law. He can't go back on it now. Well, the trumpet blows, and watch what happens. Watch what happens. Daniel 6.10. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, watch what he does. He went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he what? Had done before. What does this tell us? That before culture shifted, Daniel had already made a firm stand. I will worship my God. I will not bend. And so when the trumpet blew, they were right there at the door ready because they knew he was going to be praying. And they come in and they go, aha! And then they bring him before the king and the king sentences him to death. 
but by God's divine intervention, here's what happens. What was meant for, for, his, for, for evil, what was meant for his destruction, God used to turn around for his good. God delivered him and saw him through. My friend, when you stand, when you stand for the kingdom of God and what is right and true and godly, you won't fall. Daniel didn't just serve God and maintain a relationship with God when things got culturally difficult. Daniel honored God and prayed always. Which teaches us something, that we cannot bow to culture and expect to stand before God. We cannot bow to culture and expect to remain standing before God. My friends... Culture will indoctrinate you against the very doctrine of Jesus Christ. Wow, it got real quiet. Everybody say this with me. I love Pastor Jose. Oh, thank you. I feel better already. Can I tell you, my friends, that I'm not worried about if this rubs people the wrong way. Because at the end of the day, my desire... My heart is that we would be a people, according to the scripture, that are aligned biblically and practically with God. We live in a world with some trying times. And so, hey, I want to give you some things to consider from the scriptures. I want to challenge you with some thoughts for, for, for reflection and application because we must do something with this. So before... We, we hear these, I want to, I want to, I almost feel like I'm in one of those Jesus moments where Jesus said this, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And I would, and I would translate that to you in simple terms to say this, he who has a desire to know God and truly follow him, let him hear. Would you hear the word of God today? Come on and give God some praise. The first thing I want to compel you to reflect upon and also to apply is that we are not called to blend in until the end. Friends, we are called to stand out to the end. I'm going to say that again. We are not called to blend in until the end. We are called to stand out until the end. Listen, just because you fit doesn't mean it's a good fit. Doesn't mean it's worth it. It is destruction in the making. Listen to the words of Jesus, lest you think I'm giving you my opinion. Jesus says this in Matthew 13, starting at verse 24. He's sharing a parable and he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. He sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. Listen to this. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? Hmm. Watch what he goes on to say. An enemy did this. An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? Watch what he goes on to say. He says, no. No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat 
with them. So what do we see? He says, let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring them into the barn. So what does this teach us? What are we seeing from this parable? How can we apply this to the topic, to what we're learning about the impact of culture? How the kingdom is trying to shock us out of this system, this mindset, this belief, this way of life that is rooted in culture. What we see is that the world's culture will invade our lives. It will invade the church if we fall asleep. If we fall asleep. If we fall asleep. Listen, just because it comes under the banner of truth doesn't mean it's God's truth. Let me ask you this. Are you living your life according to what you're hearing in the news? Are you living your life according to what the good news of what the good news declares? Oh, come on, pastor. Everybody needs to stay informed. Let me ask you a question. Is the information that you're processing being filtered through the word of God? Friends, we're called to live with a biblical worldview, not the world's view. So the world's culture will invade our lives. It'll invade the church if we fall asleep. Listen, it will grow in your life. It'll grow in the church if we allow it to be there to begin with. That should challenge us. Friends, what are you doing on your social media? What are you liking on your social media? As you're scrolling through TikTok consistently, watching all these videos, plugging into YouTube, do you, do you believe, do you actually believe that what comes in will not come out? Whatever comes into our hearts, into our minds, will eventually come out. It starts as a thought, then it develops to a character, then from a character it develops into a habit, and eventually that habit becomes a lifestyle. We have to be careful, friends. What else we see here is that we must stand up. Oh, let me back up. What we see here is that it is a tool of the enemy. Friends, culture is a tool of the enemy. Culture is a tool of the enemy. The ways of this world are a tool of the enemy. They are. And what we also see is that we must stand up and stand out in the face of culture because in the end, listen closely, culture will fade away. It will fade away. When it talks about it uh, uh, going away or fading away, it's actually talking about leading us away to a path of destruction where you no longer exist. You cease to, 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 to exist. There's nothing left. And so therefore, we have to consider how do we stand out? And, we, and for that, we have to look to Romans 12.1 as a beginning. Romans 12.1 sets the foundation for the renovation of the mind so that we do not conform in the, to the world. It starts off by saying, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a, what? Living sacrifice. That's a life that's dying is what it's talking about. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. 
So watch what the scripture is actually telling us here. If there's going to be a renovation project that's going to take place, you have to get into the habit of something being deconstructed. Can I, can I, can I be tr completely transparent with you guys? I almost am at the point that I almost hate running. I highly despise running. But every morning, even on a day when I'm not going to do it, I run anywhere between five to six times um, a week, and I run anywhere from two to three, sometimes even more, a little more, four miles a day, for those days that I'm doing it, and then I strength train. I despise it. I despise it. I wake up in the morning, and I say, why am I doing this? And then another thought overtakes that when I say, let's get it. And I run. But let me tell you how I got there. My brain was rewired as I began to kill the desire that said, stay unhealthy. As I began to go against that which was hardest. Now let me tell you something about working out. If you want what's easy when it comes to working out, you got to do what's hard first. You can't begin to press 225 if you've never done it. You've got to start at 145 or whatever it is you're starting at. But as you continue to work those muscles out and kill that desire that goes against what will produce strength and lead you to greater returns, as you continue to do that, you develop muscle memory. You develop capacity to take on more. And what is hardest becomes easier day by day. How do you renew the mind and not conform to this world? Start killing the very things that are normal in alignment with the culture. Can I say something to you if you're single? You got no business hanging around with people that are single and not serving God. They're killing, they're killing the model, what the word of God reflects. You're longing for what they have, not realizing that it's leading you to destruction. Can I give you a piece of advice, believer? Stop looking at the world's system of money as the means to define success for you. Instead of looking at somebody else's grass, start watering your own. Paul puts it this way. I'm completely off. I don't care. Paul puts it this way in, in, in the book of Philippians chapter 4, I believe it is. He says this, I've learned the secret to life. He says, I know what it is to be content in little and in much. And then he goes on to say this. Listen to what he says. He says, therefore I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Everybody gets excited about uh, Philippians 4.13, but you forget to realize that what the, the context is, is listen, whether you have little or you have much, you can be content because God gives you the ability to make it through there. And I'm telling you that when it comes to life, and culture. Stop looking to culture and comparing your blessing to what culture gives you. It is a facade. It is a lie. It is a smoke screen. The second point that I want to give you for reflection and application is that unless you cancel culture, culture will cancel your call. Unless you cancel culture, Culture will cancel your call. 
First John chapter 2, verse, starting at verse 15, says, Do not love the world or anything in it. Do not love the governance of this world's ways, is what it's saying. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. Why? Because you can't serve two masters. For everything in the world, everything, everything, everything in the world, everything that this world offers you, everything that this world affords you, everything that culture promises you, the lust of the flesh. When it talks about the lust of the flesh, then you know what it's talking about? It's talking about the carnal mind. It's talking about desires that are born out of, out of wedlock with God. They're inconsistent with God. You have no relationship with God. You're used to desires that lead you to selfish things. To, 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 to carnal things. They, they, there's nothing spiritual about them. They, they, have no, they don't lead you to God at all. He says, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, it's talking about the eyes of your heart, the vision, the what you see for life, how your perspective is defined. And when it talks about the pride of life, it's talking about empty confidence in self. Anything you do to fill and satisfy self, your worth, your value. And so what we see here is then that it says that these things come not from the Father, but from the world. And watch what it says. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. Let me tell you what happens if you don't cancel the influence of culture in your life. It'll cancel your call. Why? Because according to the scripture, the ways of this world, the culture of this world, it dies away. It leads to death. And if you are following culture, you're on your way to ceasing to exist. Listen, culture can't cancel you, per se. It can't cancel your calling. But you can cancel your calling by following culture. So, what do we do in light of that? Colossians 3, 2 through 5 gives us some instruction. It says, set your mind on things above. That word mind there speaks of, the, um, it's talking about us reorienting our inclinations. It says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Not on earthly things. In other words, stop seeking fulfillment from what will never fulfill you. Money will not fulfill you. A man will not fulfill you. Sex will not fulfill you. Drugs will not fulfill you. A career will not fulfill you. A friend will not fulfill you. Only God himself can fulfill you. His ways. You know what happens to us Christians when we try to mix and mingle with culture? We always end up frustrated and then we blame God. But it's not working. No, you're not working according to the kingdom. You're following culture. So he says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died. Listen to where your vision, where your vision, where your eyes are supposed to, where you're supposed to draw your vantage point for life from. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. We are supposed to see things from God's vantage point. 
God's vantage point. And then it says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear, will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, these are things of the flesh. These are things that fill pride. It says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. All these, watch this, which is idolatry. It's idolatry. It is ungodly. So what we see is that we must renew our thoughts. We must be conscious of our vantage point for life in Christ. And we must put to death that which is about self. The week after next, I'm going to be preaching a message that I'm titling, Death to Selfie. And I'm going to tell you why. Because the closer you get to God, the more, you, more has to die. More has to die. Desires, dreams, agendas, ideas. It has to die. Christ is king. <laughs> He's not your pauper. He's not your servant. The last point I want to leave you with here today as we come to a close in relation to culture is that silence is violence. Silence is violence. It is an act of war against the king of kings. It is a dishonor to God. It is ungodly. Friends, it's wrong. Silence in the face of culture is agreement with culture. We're living in confusing times. They're confusing because many in the church are trying to placate culture by finding ways to justify, to justify the acceptance of norms that go against the scriptures. It's inconsistent with God's nature. What makes us think? What makes us think that we are to have friendship with the culture of this world? We must remember the truth. We must remember that the truth will be considered lies to others. We must consider that right is considered wrong to others. We must consider that the peace of God that we hold to is war to others. And we must speak the truth and live out of our covenant with God, not from a covenant with this world's culture. We cannot be more passionate about our complexion than our king. We cannot be more passionate about our politics than God's ways. Friends, silence is violence to the kingdom of God. It is violence. It is an act of war. It is a declaration that, God, I believe in you, but I follow the world. We got to wake up, my friends. We can't be more passionate about our appearance in the eyes of others than the appearance of Christ into this world. Friends, Christianity is the king's culture. 
And the king's culture swallows all cultures. As we stand here today and we come to a close, I propose to you that as we close today's message, we endeavor upon a beginning. The Apostle Paul puts it this way, how will they know? How will they know unless a preacher is sent? And for some of us, you, what you think is that that's the pastor. No, that's the church. And the church is not a building. The church is you and me. And wherever we go, listen, we don't condemn, but we don't confirm. We don't condemn people. We don't judge people, but we don't confirm what is culturally against the word of God. We cannot bend. We cannot bow. We cannot blend in. We must make a firm decision to stand out. The Bible records a time where the apostles were being challenged by culture. The apostle Peter had just preached a message right there before all these people of all these nations. A great move of God had taken place. The baptism of the Holy Spirit had endued power upon the, the people of God. And they began to step out boldly. And as a result of that message and what God was doing among the church, listen closely, 3,000 people came to know Christ in one shot. In one shot. But you see, culture didn't like that. Culture said, they said, you can't preach this Jesus crucified and raised up again. You can't point the finger at us that we killed the Savior of the world. Stop telling people what you're telling them. We command you to shut your mouth is what they told them. Listen to what the Apostle Peter said. Peter and the Apostles replied, Acts 5.29. Peter and the Apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. We live in a day and age where culture says, oh, we're just going to unite everyone. But can I tell you that unity, according to the culture of this world, does not equate to uniformity. Unity and uniformity are two different things. And what the world calls unity is to conform to this world. Listen. There are people that will accuse you for speaking hatefully. They will say you are talking hate speech because you're speaking the truth. Jesus said if they hate you, if they hate me, they're also going to hate you. We must stand out. We cannot bend on our morals, on our values. Well, what am I supposed to do, Pastor? The schools say that you have to do all this and, they, and, and that if your kids are going to be in school, then they have to learn X, Y, and Z. You do what is right. And God will honor that and make a way for you and your family. That's not my opinion. That's scriptural. That's scriptural. We cannot conform to this world. We must be transformed. Youth, teens, man, you got it so hard, man. Because the messaging is constant. Constantly directed at you. 
constantly, constantly. Music, media, social media, friends. The pressure's on. But here's what the word says. There's a greater one in you than he that is in the world. And if you would rely upon him, you would find that the pressure without is no comparison to the power within you. Stand out. No one is called to be a carbon copy. You are an original. Stand firm. God honors your faith. So today as we close in prayer, I want to read to you a quote. Because silence is violence. And by our silence, we even kill the life that is made possible to others through Christ by our silence. It says, but you must remember, my fellow citizens, that eternal vigilance by the people is the price of liberty and that you must pay the price if you wish to secure the blessing. There's a price to be paid for standing up to culture. But let me tell you, it's so worth it. Because God will see you through. And God will be shown to be true. Just as he was in Babylon and Persia, God backs his people. Stand in the face of culture. Let me pray for you today as we close. I get it, man. This message strikes dead in the face of, of everything that the world's throwing at you in your job, in your homes, in your schools, in your communities, throughout the world. But there is a promise that Jesus made to you and I. He says, upon this rock, this revelation that I am the Christ, I will build my church. And he says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There is no devil, there is no cultural norm, there is no accusation, there is no system that can destroy you or wreck your future because the God of all creation, God Almighty, heaven backs you and he promises that you shall stand. Come on and give God some praise. <laughs> Father, today I pray according to your word, that you would strengthen your people in the inner man. That our convictions would not be according to the ways of this world. But that our conviction today would be in response to your word. We have ears to hear, Lord. And today we decide, we make a stand and we say, culture is not king. Christ is king. It's very possible there's someone here today, maybe you're online, and as you're hearing this message, <clears throat> you're challenged. You're challenged because it goes against everything that you've known. But let me ask you a question. Is the culture that you've been living by, is the world's culture producing life for you? Is it any reason that 
what you thought was good continues to fade away. It doesn't fulfill you. It doesn't work. Friend, I submit to you that you may be in this world, but God wants you to experience an entirely new life. He's brought you his kingdom. He's announced it through Jesus. Because he loves us, the scripture says that he died for us. He paid the price for our sin. Why would he do that? Because you see, men messed up the whole plan. It would take a man to fix it. And so he said, they can't, but I can. And so I'll come like one of them. I'll live among them. I'll die the death for sin, but I'll rise again from death unto a new life to prove to them that I am God and to give them a new life. If you believe that here in this house today or online, would you do something bold? Would you extend your heart and your hands and your life to heaven? And would you declare this with us today? Let's pray this together. Say, Jesus, I believe. You are king. I declare that by your death and your resurrection, you have paid the price for my sin. And so today I call you my Lord, my Savior, my God. And from this day forward, I put my trust in you. And I thank you for a brand new life. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.